Hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao jambo marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 219 on Sunday, the 13th of February, 2022. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. I'm Armish Matt. And uh, we've got a special guest for you tonight. On the line, we have Masonic historian, archaeologist, author, Dr. David Harrison. How are you doing, David? Oh, else if I turn your fader up, sorry. How you doing, David? Very well, very well. Yeah. How are you? You all right? You good? Oh, yeah, not bad. It's been a hectic weekend, but this is my favourite part of the week, Sunday nights, 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And I've been looking forward to this one, to this one because um, it's such an interesting subject, Freemasonry, and uh, I'm into all sorts of esoteric subjects like sacred geometry, and, and I'm, I'm no expert in any of them, but I try and read widely around these subjects and freemasonry is something that keeps coming up and um i suppose it started with freemasonry a few years ago i read a book called the hiram key by uh, oh, yeah. is it lomas yeah lomas and yeah. knight christopher is it Stephen knight christopher knight um robert lomas and christopher knight yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, i just found it completely fascinating and um i guess the problem is for someone like me um it's very hard to sort of judge it. I mean, it was a really well-written book, a really uh, interesting narrative. It was obviously very well-researched. But, you know, as a layperson, it's very hard for someone like me to sort of evaluate it and uh, and sort of weigh it up against other things. And it just raises these sort of questions about Freemasonry, how far it goes back, you know, how solid yeah, yeah. of a timeline do we have? I mean, what's what's your view? How far do you think... Freemasonry goes back? Um, well, this is where it gets complicated because uh, Freemasonry works on uh, different levels and there's there's different types of Freemasonry. So so um, I always say that the, um, the, the, the truth is far better than the conspiracy theories, really. But in regards to the, to the history of it, uh, we're looking at the, uh, the 1500s and the... Um, what, what we call speculative Freemasonry, which is what Freemasonry is today, <clears throat> is um, where it's more symbolic, so the teachings are more symbolic, um, as opposed to the operative Freemasons that, that built the cathedrals and the, the churches in the medieval period. Uh, they, they had lodges, so they, they kind of tore around wherever the work was, you know, York or wherever, you know, um, down into Chester, wherever, you know, doing cathedrals, building cathedrals and churches, uh, and, and, and they form lodges. And by the time we get to the Tudor period, um, obviously, you know, there's a big political and religious change, and um, 
a lot of the cathedrals start to fall into disrepair and, and uh, you know, they're not, they're not being managed as, as well as they were uh, building-wise. So um, these, these lodges, to survive, um, started getting in speculative masons. That's, they're masons that weren't operative, you know, weren't builders. Um, and they were looking at the way... You mentioned sacred geometry before. Um, they were looking at the teachings of sacred geometry. Because uh, if you walk into a cathedral today, it's fantastic. The fact that that was any cathedral, medieval cathedral, was built at that time, you know, 800 years ago or whatever, yeah. 700 years ago. Beautiful big cathedrals, you know, the geometry, the windows, um, everything about it, you know. Um, the stained and- glass, I believe the stained glass is like we can't reproduce it today. We have no idea how they did it. Yeah, there's there's many different things, you know, uh, that these these uh, operative masons did, you know, that that, that defies um, the way we understand the medieval period. Really, you know, they they, they were highly skilled um, geometricians. Really, you know, they 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 could, uh, you know, they knew all about sacred geometry. And the thing is about geometry is that um, it was all seen as sacred. Uh, sacred. It was all seen as divine. So um, today in Freemasonry, you know, we we have these symbols, uh, you know, the uh, the square and compass, for example, um, all the different working tools, many, many different symbols. And uh, these ge- geometrical symbols, if you like, um, even the, uh, the equilateral triangle, um, that represents divinity. So, um, and obviously the, the, uh, the equilateral triangles, the, um, the, the main recognizable one in, in Christianity, you know, being part of the Trinity, you know, so, um, uh, you can see there how geometry represents God in a way. So this, this is what it's all about. This is the, the deeper esoteric, uh, teachings of, um, Freemasonry. Um, and this is how it started, you know, 1500s. By the time we get to the 1600s, there's, there's more evidence. There's evidence in England that, that uh, people are joining, and uh, there's a guy called uh, Elias Ashmole. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. Nope. Elias Ashmole was uh, a royalist in the uh, English Civil War, and he, he joined a lodge in Warrington, where I'm from, in 1646. Um, and there's a political dimension to that, because he joined at the same time as a, uh, a parliamentarian. And even today, you're not allowed to talk about politics in in lodges, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, so so there's many different levels to it, you know. Um, the teachings, the esoteric teachings, the uh, the management of it, the you know, just just the whole essence of it, really. As far as um, like uh, you're talking about, what one of the things that interests me is that we've got the um, the speculative masonry starting in sort of after the, the medieval period. And then we have the operative masons who were building these amazing places like Chartres Cathedral, Notre Dame. There's a few a few famous ones in France. There's also um, an alchemical element, particularly with Chartres Cathedral. So, is there, so I'm wondering if there's something being transmitted from an earlier age that the, free, that the masons incorporated into their architecture... Um, yeah, I mean, if if you look at the history of architecture, 
<clears throat> excuse me, the the um, uh, going back to the Roman period. You know, I mean, there's um, there's uh, the way the way. Well, even before that, you know, uh, we can go back to the uh, the Greco-Roman period. You know, the Greeks and um, the temples that um, uh, they made in uh, in Greece, for example. You know, the Parthenon. You know, it's probably the, uh, the the best example. They they have a certain kind of uh, dimension, you know, that, that they're using uh, the measurements, and um, uh, this is where we come back to the sacred uh, divine cubit or, 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 the, or the sacred measurement. The golden ratio and, um, is that the same thing? <clears throat> sorry, the the golden ratio is that the same same deal? Yeah, I mean it's it's all very similar. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean it's all to do with like yeah the ratios the. Uh, um, the um, uh, Euclid's uh, problem, you know, and, and um, all all of this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, again, it's like mathematics, geometry, um, and this is all seen as sacred. So, and you can see it in the old temples, the uh, you know that that sense of divinity in the old temples. Uh, the Parthenon is probably the you know the best known example uh, in Athens. Uh, but, I mean, there's, there's, there's many, many more. Uh, and this also takes us back to Solomon's temple. And this, this is really the, um, the linchpin, if you like, of uh, Freemasonry, the building of, of Solomon's temple, because you have that divine cubit, uh, that sacred measurement that was given by God to Solomon. And um, so, basically, with Solomon's temple, you're looking at a slice of the universe, you know, the dimensions of it represent the universe. Uh, they are God's measurements, God's divine measurements. And so this is, this is the essence of it as well, you know, um, hence the geometry and, and mathematics and yeah. That might be a good way to, uh, talk about the, the sort of founding legend of Freemasonry, because you mentioned Solomon's temple and this character, Hiram Abiff, and, you, and again, we've got the three, like you mentioned, the th- how important three is, the triangle and divinity. We have the three characters of Hiram of Biff, Hiram of Tyre and Solomon in take it, you know, sort of coming together to, for this construction. So maybe that would be a good uh, sort of segue to tell us about this founding myth, legend, history, however you want to describe it. <clears throat> well, the, uh, the Hiram of Biff yeah. legend. Yeah, um, well, well, it is what it is. It, it, it's, it's just a Masonic legend, really. Um, and and this kind of appeared in the in the seventeen twenties, right? So f- relatively so, recently, then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's all it's all recent, really. You know, in regards to uh, <clears throat> the uh, the historical kind of aspects of it. Um, but basically, yeah, the, that that is the essence of of what became known as the third degree. Um, and before that, there was only two degrees in Freemasonry. So, you know, it was it, it was just apprentice and fellow craft and that's it. And then this third degree appeared in the 1720s, you know, and, and um, that, that was actually what, what my PhD was about, you know, just, just looking at that, examining how these developed, these themes developed, you know. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all quite modern, yeah. And again, it's all wrapped up in natural philosophy, you know, which was big at the time. Um, Isaac Newton, for example, he, he was um, looking into um, Solomon's Temple, the uh, the dimensions of it. He was al- so, alchemist as well. <clears throat> yeah, he was. He was. 
I've got a frog in my throat, oh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be coughing all the way through this, and yeah. I'll just. A lot of people sort of back into the cold, but yeah. When they hear Isaac Newton, do they, they think about the the apple falling from the tree? But they don't realise that he was he was very much involved in in esoteric research and a lot of these. Sort oh of yeah, things. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. He had this um, other other dimension to him where he was um, spending a lot of time looking for the code, well, to crack the code of Solomon's Temple, and and he actually designed his own temple. You know, he, there's there's a manuscript where he's where he's got his own temple there and um you know he's researching the dimensions of it and uh alchemy as well yeah i mean he was he was he was messing about with all you know with all kinds of things really um it's a bit of a polymath in that way i would think it, yeah. it, it raises interesting questions about because i'm i'm guessing these dimensions or this sacred measurement that this is derived from the old testament account i guess yeah yeah, that's it. Yeah, which, which goes back, you know, at least probably six hundred BC, at least, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Old Testament, um, it's all in there, really. You know, uh, again, you've got all these prophets; <clears throat> they were they were talking to God, you know, like Moses, um, um, Ishmael. Um, who else have you got? Um, Abraham. You know. Um, Ezekiel, you know, all the all these people were were kind of in touch with God. You know, they they, they were speaking to God. So, so so God was basically feeding them information. You know, on 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 how to uh, live live their lives, basically. You know, so yeah, yeah, and and this is how this this divine measurement came across. You know, because God apparently told Solomon the, the dimensions of his temple. You know, so. It's yeah. just a shame, I'm guessing, archaeologically, there's nothing left, is there, since, um, well, it would have been the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, who, who sacked Solomon's temple, so there's very little left, probably, apart from... Is there any sort of foundations or anything left? So, you know, any any way of getting an idea of <clears throat> comparing the, the biblical account with something tangible? Well, I mean, I mean, there's there's the Wailing Wall that's left there. You know, I think that that belongs to a, to a later. That, uh, that was uh, Herod's Herod's Temple, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But there are um, uh, some archaeological journals that that have uh, they they've done digs on certain temples, Jewish temples at the time, and uh, the measurements <laughs> all seem to be relative. You know, so. So there's evidence there to suggest that, that there was a certain um, measurement in the construction of these temples, you know. So um, that's that's an interesting little twist on it, really. Well, I mean, I've I've heard people argue that these sort of ratios are incorporated in the Great Pyramid and the architecture of, of that building, mm. which you know predates Solomon's Temple by fifteen hundred years. And, you know, I don't know if that's true. It's I've never been a, with my tape measure <clears throat> to, to verify it, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, you... yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's a pyramid. So, you know, it's 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 got uh, these these perfect dimensions to make it a pyramid, you know. Um, I mean, I mean, there are there are some some dodgy looking pyramids there as well. I mean, you, you know, there's there's a, there's a couple of hundred of these like dodgy looking pyramids that, that you know, are a bit wonky. But yeah, the. Um, those particular pyramids that, that you're talking about, the uh, um, the Great Pyramid, the Great Pyramid, and yeah, they're they're just um, you know 
Seems, perfect pyramids, really, you know. So seems to be a lot yeah. of, of stuff going on with the Great Pyramid regarding uh, squaring of the circle and, and ratio. Uh, Randall Carlson, famous, on one of his famous lectures, says that it's sort of like a scale model of the Northern Hemisphere, that the relationship between the width, the width and the, the height is the same as the equatorial width of the Earth and the distance between the North Pole and the equator, accounting for the 26-mile bulge, because it's not a perfect circle, the Earth. I mean, it's just wild. It's just really hard to verify these things, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just the 432,000... Oh, yeah, well, this is... Yeah, this sort of sacred number system, you know, with 72 and 432 and uh, 26,000... Oh, I can't remember what it is, but the, the number of years in a processional cycle, the procession of the equinoxes, you know, people believe that these numbers are, are all encoded in this architecture, like the, the, the pyramid and Solomon's Temple and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know... This is where you get the sacred geometry from, you know. It's, uh, um, I mean, there's been many, many studies of, of, of the Great Pyramid, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all interesting stuff, you know. When you, when you, when you get into it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's quite nice, you know. Some of the, uh, the things that you see, you know. You mentioned, the, sorry, you mentioned the, uh, the cubit, like the sacred cubit. Is that something to do with the, the the elbow to the finger or something? Is it that measurement? Something like that, yeah, yeah. Well, this is what Newton was 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 trying to do. He was he was trying to uh, work out the dimensions, the you know the exact dimensions of this cubit. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to be coughing all the way through your show. So, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but yeah, um, I'll edit it out. Yeah, that's that's what Newton was trying to do, and uh, hence he, he designed his own. Um, his own Solomon's Temple, if you like, because he was trying to look at the uh, trying, trying to work out this this uh, particular cubit, and um, so Christopher Wren was also trying to do that. He was um, he he designed his own temple as well. So uh, and this is all written down. This is all you know both the drawings of it and um, worked out their own kind of cubit, if you like. Uh, were they um, both uh, Freemasons as well? No, uh, Newton, Newton was never a Freemason. Um, but there is a, a kind of connection because um, the guy uh, that was an early Grand Lodge member um, from 1717, uh, who supposedly, uh, well, is probably the, the main contender for constructing the third degree in Freemasonry, was a guy called Dr. Jean Theophilus Desagulier. And he, he was a disciple of Newton. He he actually loved Newton, you know. He was his hero. So um so there's a slight connection there, but but Newton was was, was never a Freemason. Uh Christopher Wren, <clears throat> uh, they reckon Wren was perhaps an early Freemason. There's there's an instance where he uh attended a ceremony um in St. Paul's Cathedral. Um so um it appears that he he actually, you know, kind of went through this early form of Freemasonry um, and um, became a Freemason. Well, not a Freemason in the sense that we are today. So, you know, um, what what so much it's changed. What sort of what was it? What was the sort of difference between between that era and now? 
Um, well, I mean, that era was was like a pre-Grand Lodge era. So so now we're in a Grand Lodge era, if if you know what I mean. We have a um, Grand Lodge in England, the United Grand Lodge, it's called. Um, and that's based in London. And they, uh, they basically manage Freemason in, in England. So in England and Wales. Right, so it was it was more sort of fra- fragmented then, was it in the eighteenth yeah. century? There wasn't there wasn't yeah. sort of this hierarchical. That's right. That's right. Now you've got a hierarchical system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, now you've got Grand Lodge, you've got Provincial Grand Lodge, and then you've got all the other lodges that are scattered in that particular province. So yeah, yeah, it's it's different now. Back in Christopher Wren's day and Elias Ashmole's day, there was none of that. It was it was more like a freewheeling kind of. You know, oh, let's set up a lodge tonight, lads. You know that that kind of thing. It, it, it appears to be more like that. You know, is that um, maybe because it was a bit of a more of an underground movement? Was there elements of persecution yeah, happening yeah. at the time? Or what? Um, well, it, it wasn't much to do with the persecution of things, but it, it was more to do with the fact that um, it um, was a society that was linked to the operatives still. At that particular point. Oh right! Like, 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 like. For example, when Elias Asmol joined the the lodge in Warrington, um, there was one operative in that lodge, and we know he's an operative because he he left the will, <laughs> and he was an operative Freemason, uh, and he had his tools, you know, in the will. He was he was leaving the tools, <laughs> so uh, the working tools, you know. So, um, and and I did some research where <clears throat> he he was. Uh, part of a an operative Masonic community that was based in Lynn in Cheshire. It's a little village in, in Cheshire. And um, so there were many Freemasons in, in Lynn at that particular time. Wow. This is the late 1600s, mid to late 1600s. So um, there was a community there, like an operative community. Uh, which is interesting. So, and, and we know that because the, uh, they left wills, basically, um, and uh, they left the working tools, and that was their given occupation. Mm. So, so yeah, there's a crossover still going on at that time, at that point. I'm just trying to think, like, when the sort of cathedral building era ended, and, and I guess that's where it sort Judah of period, stopped. really. Yeah, this is where it sort of dropped off and there was less... <clears throat> Less yeah. call, less need for uh, because I mean it was an explosion, wasn't it, of, of cathedral building across Europe? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. The bigger the better. Yeah, I mean there was so much money pumped into the building of, of, of these cathedrals, and not just the building of them. It was the it was the maintenance of them. I mean, even today, you know, they cost millions to maintain. You know, they're always you know if if you go into Chester Cathedral, for example, or wherever Worcester uh, Worcestershire Cathedral, Worcester Cathedral, Gloucester. They're always kind of, you know, uh, there's always a charity thing going up, like an upkeep of, of the cathedral. They cost millions to maintain. So it wasn't just the building of them, it, it was the main, uh, the maintenance of them. And as well, sometimes they were expanded, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, by the time we get to the Tudor period, um, you know, with the uh, um, uh, Henry VIII coming along and divorcing, you know, his, 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 his first wife. Um, and uh, suddenly, you know, England, well, Britain, slowly becomes Protestant country. And um, 
yeah, from 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 there on, you know, these 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 cathedrals are, uh, you know, not maintained as well, you know, um, and and there's no new cathedral building until St Paul's Cathedral with with Christopher Wren in the uh, the later 1600s after the fire of London. Right. So I'm so, guessing, yeah, I'm guessing like the the turmoil of the Reformation and all this period must have yeah, had a, a huge impact, I'm guessing, because, I mean, would <clears throat> some of the early cathedrals have been maybe 11th, 12th century, maybe? Would they have been, I'm guessing they yeah. would have been Catholic then, Universal Church? Yeah, that's right. And then that's once right, you yeah. get into yeah. the 14th century, yeah, that's the Reformation, right. that, that must have just flipped things on its head, I guess, and... Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there were abbeys as well. You know, there were all these abbeys, um, right. and um, these abbeys were suddenly the property of the king. You know, who who swiftly sold, sold them off for a bit of cash. The best example near me is Norton Priory, which is near Runcorn, um, and that that was um, as the name suggests, a priory. And uh, when you get to the Reformation. Um, the um, you know the land gets uh, confiscated by the king. Um, all the uh, the monks there, you know, the abbots have to leave. You know they're gone, dismissed, um, and the king sells, sells sells the land to a to a local family, and um, you know so yeah so you can see all these abbeys and and priories that. That were maintained <clears throat> suddenly just kind of you know turned over. Yeah, and the dissolution Ramped of that. the monasteries. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, a lot of masons, operative masons, were out of a job. Really, you know, you know, there was nothing to do except maintain the odd church or whatever. You know, like Fred, um, Fred Dibner. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. If you can climb a steeple, you got the job. Yeah. Well, rather yeah. than than me. <laughs> Yeah. We have um, we have Saint. We're in Preston, and we have Saint Walberg's here, which is I think it's about four hundred feet. The steeple, tallest, is it? In the oh yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the tallest parish church in the in the UK, I think. UK. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. And uh, Fred Dibner did some work on it, famous famously. Did he? Uh, yeah, not bef- yeah. Do you not remember the ladders going up? Wow. He had these uh, bright red ladders, and he had a set of ladders going right up to the top when he was doing mm-hmm. some work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he wrapped up and said, um, yeah, whoever wants me, ladders, just go and get them. <laughs> <laughs> and they stayed there for years because yeah. he would, you know, he, he was just mad to watch the way he would. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he was right up, yeah. He was all the way up. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. I, I mean, these, these operative masons who were working on charts and Notre Dame and, and buildings like Warbirds, I mean, the mortality rate must have been pretty frightening working at those sort of heights with none of the, you know, health and safety oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they were, well, well, they were highly skilled guys, you know. Um, you know, there were, they were guys that, uh, you know, probably worked all their life on, on one, one building, on one cathedral, maybe, you know, because mm. um, it, it would have been 30, 40 years' work. Yeah, some of them took so, generations, didn't they, to, yeah. to build? Yeah, that's things. it. That's it. And the and the sons continued after them. And yeah. and um, I mean, if you look if you look at Liverpool Cathedral, for example, um, which is a modern cathedral, the the Anglican Cathedral, I think I think that was started round about. I'm, I'm working off memory here, so round about 1900 or something, um, or somewhere around there. And it only really 
um, was complete in the 1950s. Wow. So that's that's a modern cathedral, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, um, takes a long time, really. You know. So I guess there's no sort of operative masons still around. I mean, you'd... you'd oh, yeah, the, oh, yeah. Oh, is, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. okay. I went to, uh, I went to <laughs> York. Yeah. Sorry, I went yeah, to York still, a couple of years ago, yeah. and they had a little hut set up. Yes, outside and, the uh, Minster. Yeah, outside yeah, the Minster. Yeah. That's a lodge. Ah, yeah. right. Really? That's a lodge, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they were asleep in there? That would be their lodge. And, and in, in that shelter, that lodge, they'd meet, they'd probably have a, have a drink, you know, take it easy for a bit. You know, and then get back to work, and and that's where they dress the stone. You know, in the lodge, in the shelter there. They have a um, thing outside, you, don't they, where they're chipping away at? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where they'd, they'd be chipping away to dress the stone to make it perfect. And we still use that in Freemasonry today. That that that's symbolic, obviously. When you first go into Freemasonry, the first degree, there's a a rough stone, a rough ashlar, it's called. Yeah. Um, and as you go through the degrees, it's more polished. So symbolically, you've you've kind of polished it off and learned how to dress the stone to make it perfect. So, and that all, that that reflects on on you. You know, you've you've it's quite perfected poetic, it. Oh yeah. So that, that's where the uh, the esotericism comes in, really. That esoteric meaning, that deeper meaning, because it works on different levels. You know, same as the alchemy. It's it's not about transmuting lead into gold. It's it's you you are the lead. <laughs> you and you're you're trying lead. to transmute yourself into gold you know through yeah your that's it that's it perfection yeah you're trying to make yourself more perfect because obviously you're refining your skills your own skills we've all got individual skills um that, that we need to refine more you know because it's a competitive world you know so you just refine those skills as you go along you know and and um so that's it yeah you, so just ask about the sort of like that little lodge then and the lodges in general were they kind of started then for this kind of element of secrecy and trying to keep sort of like the method of dressing the stone <clears throat> secret and then sort of keeping it within masonry or whatever, essentially. Yeah, well, it, that that's all about their skills. Yeah, that's what I mean. So back in back in those days, the medieval period, there was there was the guild system, mm-hmm. and uh, you'd be apprenticed for seven years. So you'd say, you know, you were a young lad. 12, 12 years of age or whatever, you know. Um, you might be lucky to get apprentice to um, a stonemason. Mm-hmm. And in those seven years, he'd teach you what to do, all the tricks of the trade. You'd mm-hmm. master that trade um, within seven years. But not within those seven years. It'd probably take you a lifetime, yeah. you know, to, to get to his level, you know. Mm-hmm. But those seven years, you'd be apprenticed and you'd learn um, all those techniques and uh, it's, it's, it's the same with a tailor, um, you know, cutting suits, for example. You know, I have no idea how to, how to, how to cut a suit, you know. No, no. Um, I have no idea how to, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a car mechanic, you know. I, give me an engine, I haven't got a clue. But if you're trained in that job, mm. you know, so, so, that, so that's the mystery of, of that particular trade. Mm. And this is where trades came in. You know, you you learn the mysteries, all the secrets of yeah. of that particular trade. Mm. So um, you know, it's like learning the guitar. We've done about music before. You know, it's like like learning the guitar or learning the bass or the drums. You know, it's a skill that you've got to learn. Yeah. You know, and um, and there's a there's a mystery in that. Mm. You know, and um, so you learn all the tricks of those 
of, of that trade and you know so it's that's that's where the secrets come in really yeah um because you get you get these unskilled builders um who are like jack of all trades this is this is where the saying comes in you know jack of all trades you know you, um you know you, you you don't really know the full mystery of that particular trade but you roughly can wing it you know um so there's people like that in the medieval period, you know, uh, rough builders mm. that, that um, you know, could uh, do something in, in that respect. It's like, it's like joinery, carpentry, you know. Yeah. I mean, fantastic skill, you know. Uh, and then, you, you know, in the olden days, you'd be learning that for seven years, a seven-year apprenticeship, mm. you know, so you'd learn the mysteries of, of, that, of that particular trade. So, so that's where the secret comes in, the mysteries of the craft. Yeah, and this goes back again to the foundation myth. Uh, in that, well, I'll, I'm not. I'll try and not relate it. But this Hiram Abiff, who's like the chief architect of Solomon's Temple, mm. so a couple of ruffians, three ruffians, come up and say, "We want to know the secret of, mm-hmm. you know, what's what's this? What are the That's secrets it. for this? You know, being a master mason?" Mm. And he refuses mm. to tell yeah. them. It's like, it's like the lesson is there are no shortcuts. You've you got to work yeah, this out it. for yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's murdered in the in the legend, and then the secret is lost. Uh, well, you know, yeah. maybe he told Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> or or Harem of Tyre, who knows? But Yeah, well, 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 that's it. They were trying to take a shortcut from that yeah. seven-year apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, yeah, 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 that, that's, that's basically it. So were there other so, um, societies associated with, with other trades then? I know, obviously, masonry. Oh, yeah, yeah, there were. There were, there were other societies, yeah. I mean, I mean, there was the Carbonari, um, <clears throat> who, who, who were more to do with, like, you know, the wood burners? Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of these, this this particular group. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I had it for me, too. <laughs> yeah, the Carbonari. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they became a revolutionary group in Italy yeah. and France. Right. Um, in the 18th century and uh, the early 19th century, and um, Lord Byron became a member oh, of the Carbonari. So there's many other kind of uh, groups like that, you know. Um, it's uh, yeah, there's a myriad of, of, of different societies. So I, I, wonder, I wonder what what's the difference between because I think for me anyway, like Freemasonry is the only one really that I've kind of heard of. How come Ooh. it kind of really took off i guess and there's so many lodges because i know you know there's a lodge in preston here where we live there's loads in blackpool where i work and sort of along the Mm. foul coast so and in america uh, i mean it went massive in america so yeah just wondering good good market yeah yeah. (laughs) why did it kind of take off like that why is it so why has it got so popular or whatever um well i think we i think with freemasonry it was um it established itself as a grand lodge in right. 1717, that date that date's debated now. It could be 1721, but I, I always go for the 1717 date. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they organise themselves in a in a, a well professional structure. Really, right. they they soon had provincial grand lodges, which which covered the counties of England and Wales. So, um, very kind of uh, structured society. Um, and uh, apart from that, they, they started developing um, other degrees, like another further degree system. So by the time we get to the uh, the 1730s, 40s, you get the Royal Arch, then you get the Knights Templar, 
then you get a myriad of other different degrees, higher degrees. Hmm. Um, and apart from that, you get a structure that allows the aristocracy to um, embed themselves in Freemasonry. So the very top, hmm. the Grand Lodge structure, you start getting um, aristocracy, not only aristocracy, but the monarchs as well, you know, um, all the sons of the monarchs, or, you know. So quite quite quickly, you get this established hierarchical system. Um, and, it, and it lends itself to the, you know, to the uh, the status quo, I suppose, you know, in England and Wales, you know, the, the well, England mainly, you know, the, the, uh, the class structure. So um, it, it, it starts to kind of mirror English society throughout yeah. the 18th and 19th century. You know. Who's who's the current uh, grandmaster then? In England, yeah, yeah, uh, it's the Duke of Kent. He's mm-hmm. he's been in since I think nineteen sixty-seven or something. So wow. he's been in a long time. You know, Michael. Um, now, now, if we look at Freemasonry in other countries, mm-hmm. um, in America, for example, it's it's roughly a Grand Lodge per state. And they ha- they they elect their, their their grandmasters every year. Um, I think there's there's a couple of states, a couple of grand lodges that, that do it every two years or so. Um, but, All right, but so it's 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 an elected kind of office yeah. every year. So, uh, that, so that it's more would... democratic. Sorry, you know. sorry to interrupt. That that mirrors like a, a worshipful master in your local lodge. It's something that you do for a year after an election. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In a in a in your ordinary lodge, if you like, yeah, um, yeah, they they kind of elect a, a worshipful master, yeah, every right. year. Uh, right. In some lodges, it's every six months, still. I mean, so I turn over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so you can see they need they need a lot of masons in there to to kind of, you know, do the do the system, you know, yeah. go around the system. Are they selective so, with um, admission to these societies? Oh, that's a good question. What what's the criteria? The criteria. Well, it's it's kind of changed a bit now. I mean, um, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a working class guy, you know, from you know, uh, from Warrington, you know, and and, and um, I went in in the nineties, the late nineties. Um, now, before me, before my time, you know, they were they were very particular who they, who they let in, you know. Um, so uh, it's always been more. I think from from the Victorian period, really the 1850s, it's been more of a middle class domain. So they always kind of looked at um, that middle class uh, social structure, if you like, for potential members. Um, by by the time you get to the 1980s and and the 1990s, the membership's going down like quite steadily, you know. Um, so, so they kind of started letting people like me in, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, but yeah, now you know, you know, it's it's very kind of, um, um, it's it's gone the right way in in respect to that, you know. I mean, I mean there's all kinds of guys in there, you know, from different uh, class backgrounds, work backgrounds, if you like. Is it true yeah. that, um, that the only real criteria is that you have to have belief in a supreme being? Yeah, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, and so uh, it just got me thinking that God or yeah, a, sorry, a divinity, yeah, divine being. It just got me thinking that the way I've always heard it phrased, um, belief in a supreme 
supreme being. It sort of suggests monotheistic in in the way it's you know is that accurate? Is that fair? Um. Well, you've just got to got got to acknowledge a higher being, really. At one um, higher being. That's that's my point. It sort of it, it sort of suggests a monotheistic belief. Yeah, Does my wife count be... as a higher being? <laughs> yeah, I mean, say you know, like you, um, I do know um, a Wiccan that's in Freemasonry that's uh, joined, and he obviously worships a number of gods. You know, he's so. Yeah, you know, he's, he's um, but he, he does recognise higher beings, you know, with an S on the answers, but I suppose. Right. But yeah, um, that's that's one of the the main, uh, well, the the main uh, criteria, if you like, you know. And you, um, you need to have a sponsor as well, don't you? I think. I think you used to. I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is now. You you can apply online now. You know, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can you can go go on the website and apply, and someone will get back to you, and that's it. So it's it's quite easy to get in now. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I, I I can remember in the eighties, seventies, um, when I when I was growing up, and and um, I mean, to be a Freemason, you know, you had to be a, you know, um, it, it was. Uh, the domain of the middle class, you know, you know, you know, he was either a police officer or he was yeah. a lawyer or a, a businessman or something like that, you know. One trouser um, leg rolled up. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's where the saying comes from. Yeah, yeah, you know, when you, um, you know, when you get stopped by the police, you know, oh yeah, you know the shit, you know the handshake and the <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was common. It, that that filtered into the uh, the popular domain, you know, with. Masons and uh, you know what what they were supposedly like. You know, I know there's a lot of charity work done by the Masons, um, modern Masons, Freemasonry. A lot, a lot of charity work. Does it exist for like anything else than that? And a get together for you know like-minded folks. I, I don't want to cheapen it, but you know, I, you I really do it. Scouts. Is it? Is it? <laughs> But I'm going to. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, is it, is it more than just kind of scouts for, for adults? <laughs> well, yeah. scouts for adults. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, in, in a way, that's, that is a fair point. Because uh, I mentioned before how it, how it works on different levels. Um, I mean, I've, I've been in 20, 24 <laughs> years now, you know. Uh, and I've certainly seen that, that aspect of it because... You get people going in there, um, the 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 collect the the jewels. You know, like you wear jewels. You know, yeah. uh, when you've been through the chair, when you've been worshipful master, you get a, a master's past master's jewel. Uh, but there are other jewels and things like that, and yeah. and there's different promotions you can get. So there's different aprons you can get, provincial apron, you know, provincial honours and things like that. And um, so, um. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, people going in there, and that, and that's what they want. Yeah, because I, I was, I, I was in the boys' brigade as a kid, and um, uh, what, what mattered to, what mattered to us is, you know, as members of the boys' brigade, was that you know we got badges, Eight badges, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we basically collected badges, you know, and then when, when there wasn't any more to collect, you got bored and left, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but with Freemasonry, you know, the, the, there are people that are into that. You know, provincial aprons, provincial honours, grand lodge honours. You know, big aprons mixing with the big wigs. You know, um, you must get a handful of people going in with a 
perhaps skewed view of Freemasonry uh, going in for the 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 blood drinking sacrifices, <laughs> <laughs> devil worship, <laughs> which what? is clearly uh, not not a thing. But you, how do you filter those sorts of people out in your um, in your kind of why are you looking at me? Sorry. He knows what you're going to say. Preempt him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, the esoteric part, now this is where we come to the esoteric part. The um, This is where we look at the more deeper uh, aspects of Freemasonry, mm. uh, the symbolic aspects and... and uh, you know there are there are Freemasons that are really into that that look at the the deeper more spiritual aspects of it. Um, now the that stuff that you mentioned about the sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. I mean that obviously doesn't happen. Yeah. It's it's mainly that that is the public view uh, yeah. of, of uh, you know this is what these QAnon guys think that Freemasons do. You know and uh, um. <clears throat> This is um, part of the uh, the reason why some of these uh, Masonic Halls are being burnt and things, you know, in, in Canada and the United States and stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So people like that, you know, hate Freemasons anyway. So right. so they, so, they, so they don't look to join, you know. No. They they, no. they just look to no. They use it as a as a weapon against Freemasonry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's all kind of wrapped up in that kind of conspiracy stuff, and yeah. and um, um, it's sadly quite quite a, a popular conception, really. Mm. Um, you know, of uh, Freemason. Really. It's not uh, as though you, you, Freemasons are trying to, uh, you know, enhance that that view from outside. You guys open your lodges to to the public, and like I say, there's a lot of uh, charity work that's that's done. <laughs> fantastic but it, it still work. remains that yeah it, yeah it's not working <clears throat> I think it's, yeah. it's a natural I, hard, I think to, to 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 combat that stuff because it's so powerful mm. um it, it, i think recently you know because of the political situation of america and and us since well past five or six years you know straight into politics now you know the, you know the brexit stuff and the the trump stuff and the um the populism mm. Uh, stuff and, and the QAnon things and and uh, the way that people see Freemasonry as um, as being part of this kind of government conspiracy and and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it, it is quite a strong um, image, mm. you know, and uh, it's going to be very very hard to shake. And you know, it's something that's that's, that's been going on for centuries as well because. In the 18th century, you know, the, um, I, uh, I've read a document where someone actually says, a uh, Freemason says at the time that um, people think they were meeting on the full moon to do rituals and things, you know, witchcraft stuff, you know. Um, so it's a conception that's been going on for a long time, mm. really. Yeah, do you think, this is, might be a bit left, <laughs> left field, but could this conception of Freemasonry today be a hangover from the persecution of the Knights Templars and Baphomet worship and all that sort of stuff? Um, no. Not really, because that, <laughs> that's like a modern... Again, it's a modern... Um, 
conception. The, the, uh, the, uh, the Knights Templar, I think, I think you mentioned this in one of your emails, didn't you? Um, you know, you, you, you wanted to talk about the Knights Templar. But the, um, they seem to be linked, that's all. And, and like yeah, we no, mentioned I mean, the book. There's no link, you see. That's, that's the thing. When, when the medieval Templars um, were ended, shall we say, and persecuted in 1314, I think it was. Um, 1307. Yeah. Um, the Grand Master was burnt in 1314, wasn't that's it? That's right, yeah. yeah. And he famously cursed. Do my life. Yeah, he cursed. Apparently um, so. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently, cursed, yeah, yeah. If he did curse, it would have been the king or something, or the, or the pope or something. But yeah, the the um, I mean, that's when the temple has ended, really. You know, um, now the 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 Masonic Templars, if you like, which is a higher degree, a side degree of uh, Freemasonry. Now that only emerged in the 1740s, 1750s. Mm. So. Um, that has nothing to do with the medieval Templars, apart from the fact that, that they just kind of created a ritual that was based on that, you know. So, and it was all to do with chivalry, really. It was, again, and Solomon's yeah. Temple. Um, so you're not buying that, because it was only really in France where the where the Templars were rounded up. I mean, there's theories of, you know, Templar ships making the way to Britain and then going to fight for Robert <clears> the Bruce. <throat> Up in Scotland, yeah, yeah, there's no no evidence for that. There's there's never any evidence that's ever turned up for that. So there's no documentary evidence at, 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 at all, nothing at all. So you know, there's no records. Um, and around that time, there's a lot of records right. for you know what was going on politically. Um, but there's no evidence to say that you know, oh, a group of Knights Templars turned up to support Robert the Bruce. They were quite secretive, though, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they weren't that secretive at the time. They, they weren't a secret order. You know, they they were... Uh, they were massive. Uh, they were massive, like the first banking corporation. Ooh, yeah. Massive yeah. landowners. They were, they were That's right. Hugely That's, inf- right. That's why yeah. they were persecuted, because the... <clears throat> Philip owed him a lot of money, yeah. He had a lot of money and a lot of land, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but yeah, they weren't, they, weren't, they weren't that secretive at all. And and all all the charges that were that were brought against the Templars was was just jumps up charges. And um the um Roman Catholic Church uh, basically uh apologized for all of that recently. Oh, right. I can't remember they? the year. But they but they Said, you know, oh yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, we're sorry about that. You know, hundred years. Um, so uh, I can't remember the year exactly when uh, they uh, they did that, but they. Uh, um, That's the um, start. So, yeah, it was basically Got quite a lot to apologise for. <laughs> against against the uh, the Knights Templar order, you know. Um, so they weren't that secret. If they were, they were just, um, you know, they were a monastic order, um, and. Um, yeah, nothing to do with. There's no connection at all with uh, Freemasonry. Um, you know, it just just doesn't connect. Oh. And the, I mean, they weren't the only chivalry order. What about uh, the Hospitallers and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Saint John's Ambulance is is yeah, directly yeah, yeah, yeah. traced I mean, back I mean, to the, hosp- the Knights many, of the Hospital. Many uh, religious orders like that, you know. Um, you know the Knights of Malta and and um, 
Yeah, which again is another Masonic sign. Oh, right. but there's no, but there's no connection. You know, why? Why did they just, use it then? Why did they use the national? Well, because it, it's it's the aspect of uh, chivalry, right? And um, so you've got that moralistic code that fits into Freemasonry. And apart from that, you've got uh, the charity basis of it as well, um, and and the fact that um, <clears throat> these these monastic orders, these religious orders at the time, um, the majority of them went on crusade, so they were there in Jerusalem, um, where the uh, the Temple Mount is, which was the the site of Solomon's Temple, so. So there's there's this kind of loose connection that was brought in to to make the the rituals uh, the Masonic or the Masonic story um, stretch out a bit more. Yeah, it's very sort of rich, isn't it? And especially mm. when you start getting into this symbolism. Well, where... it's, it's, it's what I stated before. There's many layers to it. Mm. You know, there's different layers to it. So these 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 conspiracy theorists. You know, um, that's nothing compared to the truth of it, really. You know, because um, really rich layers. You know, in the uh, the story. And there's all sorts of sort of offshoot organisations, isn't there? Like, and and there's like mm. the, the tell us about like the different rights, like the this, that the Scottish right and the York right. Some go oh, yeah, to thirty three yeah. degrees. Yeah. Some are just three degrees. <clears throat> I mean, well, well, the Scottish right is probably the more popular one. That's 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 the one that's become embedded really in in Masonic culture, mainly in America, uh, but elsewhere now, southern you know, southern America, um, South America, and and um, in 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 Europe as well. You know, um, here we call it something different. You know, we call it the Rose Quart. Um, but you can effectively go up to 33 degrees um, and, and that stretches out the story. The, you know, there's more layers to the, to the Masonic story. Uh, I mean, there's many, many rights, uh, Masonic rights throughout history. I mean, I mean you've got um, the writers in Endorf, you've got uh, the Elokoen, you've got the, uh, the, um, the right of seven degrees, you've got uh, Cagliastro's Egyptian right. Uh, the right of strict observer. I can, I can go on all night, you know. <laughs> so there's all these Masonic rights, you know, you know that, that, that existed and have since been revived, in, you know, in some respects. So there's all these different avenues that a Freemason can, can, can go down, you know, the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati is another Bavarian, one. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. you can basically go around all these different routes, the Royal Order of Scotland, the operatives. Oh, there's, there's, there's loads, you know. How many 33, 33rd degree Masons are there uh, around? I guess it's oh, there's quite a few, yeah. I mean, oh, if right. you go to the States, I mean, I've, I've been to the States, you know, on, on book tours and things, and, and uh, yeah, I've met, met many 33 degree Masons there. It's easier to get it over there than it is here. Right, typical. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, I've met quite a few over there. That's the, is that the pinnacle of Freemasonry, though, that 33rd degree? Well, not, not really, no, because there's many other things you can get involved in. Hmm. You know, there's many other avenues you can take, you know. And again, this is where the different layers come in, because you can sample other rituals, you can get other uh, promotions, you can get, you know, uh, become grandmaster of a, of, a, of a grand lodge over in the States or in Australia or in... in um, South America or wherever, you know. Here, obviously, you've got to be either a royal or you've got to be uh, an aristocrat. 
really, right. to become Grandmaster. Um, it's proper over here, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, it reflects the society. Yeah. You see, the, the, the particular form of Freemasonry <clears throat> reflects the society of that particular country. It, it seems odd that it was, um, there was, you know, the Masons went to many lengths to keep that secret and make sure there was no shortcuts. So you can go over to America and become a 33rd-degree Mason in a month or <laughs> Well, not, not a month. No, but, no, you know, no. But there's, yeah, there's different yeah. levels, isn't there, of, of, of achievement, I guess. What Would oh, yeah, a 33rd-degree yeah. Mason from the UK, from England, sort of oh, yeah, look down on a 33rd-degree Mason yeah, from America? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's different uh, kind of levels, though, isn't there, I guess? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's all about levels. So it's all about. Uh, um, oh, hang on, there's something gone gone wrong. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'll sort it. Camera, hang on. Yeah. Mode for shooting movies. <laughs> you can check the angle of view before shooting. We're back. <clears throat> I've done that for a long while, isn't it? No, yeah. that's, uh, that's unusual. So it's, it's all this esoteric stuff you see. It is. Yeah. Yes. Hey, you mentioned the Illuminati there, the Bavarians. Yeah. Adam, uh, Adam Weishaupt. Yeah. Uh, is there any links there, or is that more more myth and disinfo? No, no, he's... Oh, um, well, your camera's gone again. Just, just press <laughs> the button on Carry top. On, I'll sort it. Ben will sort it. Yeah, yeah, just get Ben onto it. Yeah, just yeah. press the button. Is he paying for this, Ben, or what? He... <laughs> no, it's not worth it. <laughs> on the top. There you go. Yes, you got it. You're back. Don't touch anything. Move. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just sit down, Ben, and don't move. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, yeah the, um, the, the Bavarian Illuminati is that again? Just they're just borrowing the, the sort of the, the name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Bavarian Illuminati existed. That that yeah. was a specific masonic esque rite that existed in the 1770s and 1780s. Ended with the French Revolution. It kind of petered out. But the name, the Illuminati, kind of lived on, if you like. Um, and more recently, you know, that has been adopted again by conspiracy theorists. And, uh, I mean, it's just a great name, the Illuminati. So the, the Illuminated, illuminated one. ones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So, I mean, you can understand why they've pinched that and inserted that into their conspiracy stories and it, it's fantastic, and and there are many Illuminati still, you know, still going who claim that name. You know, wow. um, I mean, there's one online. Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, he might be in it. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's one in Albania that I know of. Um, a Bavarian Illuminati yeah. in Albania. Um, there's yeah, I mean, you know, it, it they pop up. You know, the idea of like be, being but, illuminated though is is global as well i mean there's there's in indian cultures you have the bodhisattva the illuminated ones uh, probably right. ac- across the globe as well i mean everywhere there will be some kind of acknowledgement that there is a a pinnacle to reach to i guess it's all about ambition yeah. even you know even in the masons especially it's, in the masons. it's well um there's a, a train of thought in freemasonry that the freemasonry has lost its way um, the more esoteric Freemasons think that at the end of uh, all these teachings, the very end goal of a Freemason should be to commune with God, you know, to to actually um, experience cosmic consciousness and, and, and to become one with the divine. 
We know Hence, a guy who might have a shortcut. <laughs> so anyway. going back to that that question about the when people join, you know, mm. do you believe in a supreme being? So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, there's so there's as I mentioned many different layers. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right with that. The Eastern philosophies, you know, that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of occult revivalists in the 19th century. Um, there were Freemasons. Um, probably one of the famous ones was uh, Alistair Crowley. You probably yeah, heard of Blavatsky him. Yeah, and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and Crowley um, obviously developed what became known as the OTO. Um, some of you might be familiar with that sex magic and stuff like that. And, and but he he pinched a lot of stuff from Freemasonry and kind of merged it into his new order, you know, his, his OTO order. And um, um, so, yeah, it's kind of influenced many uh, in that respect, you know, and, and so there's various different channels that have gone down, you know. I mean, it's easy to see why, you know, the conspiracy theorists will, you mentioned, what was it, devil worshipping and stuff like yeah. that, because mm. when you have figures like Crowley associated yeah. Freemasonry, and then started his own. Was it the the Mizraim or something? Am I getting that? Some Mizraim, yeah. Well, he he uh, joined Memphis Mizraim. Um, oh, he was already going, was it? And he joined. He joined it. Right. That's that's where he took most of his ideas from in in relation to the the LTO. He, he basically, well, not all the ideas, but a lot of the ideas kind of got taken from that and put in his own little um, formula. Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, Crowley wasn't really, well, he wasn't a devil worshiper. He, he, he was a magician, you know. He was um, a guy that, that uh, got heavily involved in magic, uh, sex magic as well, um, and kind of forged a career from it, really, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he dabbled in, in many different kind of, magical experiences you know magic kind of um pathways shall we say but uh but yeah yeah he wasn't there you know so is is there no sort of magical element to <clears throat> to modern freemasonry paul daniels might have been a freemason <laughs> paul daniels yeah was he yeah. is he is he still alive paul? no he's not no he's he's no. gone r.i.p no. Old Daniels, he was he he was great in the nineteen seventies. He was he was he was like one of, you you turned on your TV in the nineteen seventies. Paul Daniels was always on, just like that. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. It. Tommy Cooper. Tommy Cooper, that he's getting mixed up. Same thing. <laughs> you'll oh no, you'll like this. Not a lot. That's Paul Daniels. That was yeah, yeah, yeah that's Paul Daniels. Bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was the original question? You, you sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Paul Daniels trip there. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. We've we've blown over an hour already, David. We haven't even talked about your books. Am I am I, am I getting paid for this? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I was uh, I was looking. I did a, a live stream last night, just doing my prep. I like yeah. uh, doing the uh, show notes and stuff. I went on your website, and this like epic Hollywood trailer came on for your, for your book. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Check it out. I mean, the, the website, if you, you watch it. You should have opened your show with that. I should have yeah. done, yeah. But yeah, yeah. if not, just go to the website. It's on the screen or in the show notes. So, I mean, what, what are you working yeah. on at the minute? Are you've, have you got a, a new book coming out or are you writing, researching? What are you on with? Well, uh, I've just had a book out uh, in November. 
uh, called the right of seven degrees, which is what I mentioned before about one of these more esoteric Masonic rites of the 18th century. Oh. And that's, that's doing re really well at the moment. Uh, that's with Lewis Masonic. And uh, that's basically delving into the history of, of this particular rite, the guy that was behind it. <clears throat> and for the first time, actually um, gives the ritual. Oh, in right. the book. So it's Is that allowed? <laughs> translated from, from the French. Oh, right. In the 18th century French. So, um, yeah, it's allowed because it's, it's effectively a dead rite. Uh -huh. so, um, but it's a, it's a very esoteric rite. It's got a lot of stuff in there about the Knights Templars, um, all, all manner of things. That you know, it's great. Cool. It's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. And are, are your books, like, are they fairly um, accessible to someone like me who's, who's oh, yeah. not, yeah, not in the game? I mean, they're done in an academic way uh, because I want to present the facts. I only present... Um, you know, the evidence really, you know, so they've got footnotes, you know, um, it's done in like a, in like a kind of soft academic mm. style, really. So you can read it. Um, but if you want to look further, the evidence is in the footnotes and you can just take off on your own little research then, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's very kind of uh, approachable. Um, but I've done many, many books really, uh, over the past like 15 years or so. Um, one, my favourite book that I wrote, because um, normally as a writer, you, you don't like your books, you know, because you, when, you, when you read them, if you, if you do ever start reading your books, you always see all these little mistakes and, oh, no, you know. Um, so writers don't really like the books. But there is one book that uh, is my personal favourite, and that's a book called The Liverpool Masonic Rebellion and the Wigan Grand Lodge while we're in Lancashire. Yeah, right. yeah Wigan had its own Grand Lodge in the 19th century. Um, they they split from the United Grand Lodge of England and formed their own Grand Lodge, and it ended up in Wigan. And uh, <clears throat> it, it was only in 1913 that, that that they kind of called it a day. Um, and that, that's a that's a great book. I, I really enjoyed researching that book because uh, it was very local, and um, the research to it was. I was meeting people in pubs and things, you know, that, <laughs> that, that, that had documents and stuff it's like my, this. It's my kind of research. Yeah, oh, like... it was great, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah, go on the, the website, which, you know... Um, yeah, it's on the screen now for the uh, for mm -hmm. the viewers, and we'll put it in the show yeah. notes as well for, for the listeners. Yeah. Check it out, yeah, and um, there's, there's links there to, to where you can get my books. They're all, they're all on Amazon. On Amazon, so, uh, great. We'll put your author page in the show notes or something. Yeah. In, in the website. Yeah. One thing I, I, that's just, just sprung to mind to ask you is um, when you're when you're researching, because they're, they're quite specialised book, like, books. Like you mentioned that one about the, the Wigan revolt, if you like, the, yeah. the new Grand Lodge. Yeah. I mean, as a as a, a member, do you does Freemasonry have like um, a library or an archive? Yeah, that's... yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's um, that accessible? A public archive library in, in the United Grand Lodge in London. Um, but do you have to be a member to, to get access? No, not really, no. No, it's all open to the public. You can get a, you know, Ooh. phone up, whatever, shoot an email, go in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they have archives that they've maintained over the, you know, decades and centuries that are sort of separate from... You know, I have the British Museum or other archives, sort of independently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, they did have an element of secrecy um, up until recently, really. I mean, 
probably the eighties, nineties, you know. So, um, but now you know the doors are open. It's it's public access. It's uh, you know it's good. Uh, a, a lot of the provincial grand lodges have also got libraries. They're they're a bit more harder to get into, right? Right. Uh, from from past experience, but um, but yeah, yeah, you can still still get in there and check them out. You know. Um, Cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Good. Right. Well, we'll let you go, David. It's been fascinating. I've really yeah. enjoyed this one. It's, yeah, it's, a, great. it's a good one of my favourite esoteric sort of subjects. Side is. side quests. <laughs> side <laughs> subjects to learn about. So uh, it's been mm. fab. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll it's let been, you go. Just um, yeah, to be on. Yeah. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's it's nice to meet you and uh, say hi to Robbie next time you see him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say it's a bit like um, out, out of the blank. But with Lancashire accents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take <Good>. blank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, David, yeah. stay on the line for us while we play ourselves out for one minute. And um, we'll catch the rest of you on the flip side for part two once we've had a, a short interval. Yep. All right, smash him. Right. See you soon. Ta-ra. Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That's our chat with Dr. David Harrison. Mm. Prolific mm. F- Masonic author. Is he a prolific author? What, 14 oh, yeah. books? 14? Yeah. yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I can't even think about 14 books. <laughs> Never mind writing them. <laughs> well, website will be in the show notes, so um, whatever platform you're listening or watching on, just scroll down and, uh, and check out David's books. Um, they sound. Some of them sound really fascinating to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah even as a, a layman, a lame man, layman <laughs> as a lame man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with the subject. It's an interesting subject. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's quite enigmatic, really, isn't mm. it? There's no, there's nothing sort of similar to Freemasonry, is there? Scouts. Well, the apart <laughs> from scouts. Yeah, the Carbonara Society. <laughs> Yes, the carbonara. How do you get it so creamy? <laughs> I, think the, I think it's the cream. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh dear! <laughs> um, <laughs> you're trying to think of you're trying to feel dead, uh, dead air there. Whilst no, you think of, not at you all. No. You're treading water. No, I'm not treading water. Well, I enjoyed treading that. cream. I enjoyed that. Chat with Doctor David, yeah, and I think we should have him back. Absolutely, I yeah. concur. And then you can actually ask him the question, your secret questions you had written down. I didn't have any secret questions that well, I just uh, you had, didn't uh, ask. I just had. I didn't have any questions? I had talking Notes. points. Yeah, Myth, <laughs> Templars, got that. Uh, got Gothic that. architecture, got alchemy, that. got that. Royal Society, no. <coughs> Did we not? Uh, books. Yeah. Oh, Freemason presidents. That was the one we didn't get. No, we didn't get that. Because apparently, you know, from what you hear, a lot of the presidents like George Washington mm. could have been Freemasons. Was he on the level? Was he on the square? <laughs> was he on the square? Are I you don't square? Know, go back and ask him. Get it, get it squared away. It's hip to be on the square. Yeah. Yeah. Polish your ashlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you filthy beggar. <laughs> Oh, some mucky yeah, you know, everyone starts off as a rough-hewn ashlar. <laughs> yeah. And we're just trying to be, you know, polished mm. basalt. We just want to be... Yeah. 
It's a journey, isn't it? Mm. Or it's not, and you just don't do anything with your life, and you start off, you know, and you end up no better than when you started off. It's but fine I think to be rough people, around the edges, right? Yeah, as long as you're working towards polishing those rough bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whatever. Each to their own. Um, all my links is that working now? Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I think I think the problem is I think you need to be under thirty to understand how it works. So, <laughs> oh, we're fuck then. Yeah. So I've been trying to make. I've been messing around with it a couple of nights. Um, God, I've just realised we never. I don't think we swore during that whole interview. No, maybe we maybe we picked up on that because he didn't. You want to say Paul fucking Daniel? Debbie pissing McGee. All my links? Is it working? Uh, no, I don't think so. Is it not? We have an account, but then I, uh, the next step is for me to figure out how I make all my links appear on like, all, like on, just YouTube, an, on YouTube and all this. It's just it? a link that you post in your profile. Is it? Well, that's, yeah. the other, that's what I need to do is I need to figure out how to log into YouTube as the Amish Inquisition and then... Put it on and then... All same the password, things. it's always the same. <laughs> same for everything. Password one. <laughs> yeah. Um, password two. Uh, and do that. Okay. All right, right. We'll look forward to that. Let's yeah. move on. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider retaining some value. Uh, there's a myriad of ways of doing this. Word of mouth is my favourite. If you uh, know someone who's interested in podcasts and esoteric subjects or ancient history or philosophy, all the different sort of things we cover, uh, send people a link. Maybe uh, if you're in Discord, you're an active Discorder, post links in other folks' Discords, but don't spam. You know, no. just, you know, an appropriate level. Just to sort of get the word out and uh, get more, grow our audience. Uh, just, you know, yeah, it all helps. Yes, exactly. What else can you do? Buy merchandise from the Amish Loot Chest. Link in the show notes for that. Send us, c- yeah, send us a review. God, we haven't had a review for time, yeah, have we? No, like months. We haven't had a, haven't had a, a review. No, I don't, I don't know what it is about iTunes. I mean, if you're on Spotify, the, the rating system's live now. You can give us a five-star rating on Spotify, yeah. just under the... Uh, Apparently, we need um, a certain amount, unspecified, of reviews before um, we actually get a review. What? What? What's that even mean? <laughs> so, it, you know, you, you, you say you need, like, 20 people to review it, and then it actually gives you a rating, basically. Oh, right, okay. Well, so, do that if you're listening on Spotify exactly, now. Exactly. I'm going to take you one minute. I'm going to take you that. Yeah. What about Focus Chi? Yeah, if you're in the Discord server, you can uh, request a, a concentrated Focus Chi yeah. uh, from the community for your given aim. Maybe you're suffering from... Depleted chi in the form of a health condition, or you've got a big interview coming up, or you're just in a flunk and you're like, ugh, just a bit, <laughs> ugh, a bit lethargic. Things are getting you down, and you need some positive energy, hyper focused in your direction. Then drop us an email at thearmysinquisition at gmail dot com, or if you're in the Discord, there's a thread there for focused chi requests. That's what you can do. You can just join the Discord. That's a good thing to do to support the Armish Inquisition. Yeah, because I mean, 
that's where everything's happening. <laughs> it's like jumping in there, man. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Party, it's like it's like this all the time. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> me, yeah. yeah, yeah, isn't it, Ben? Oh, uh, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> ben has a great time in the Discord, doesn't he? Hey, <laughs> and you get like bonus shots of tiny pond snails. Oh, yes, in the fish husbandry uh thread. Yeah, my uh, my fish pond now is officially overpopulated. Um, yeah, I would say. Uh, there's loads of the fuckers, and uh, several. Uh, I found in the filter several tiny pond snails. Oh, does wow. that mean healthy water? Uh, I don't know. I think they've just. Well, apparently these little tiny ones. They're either <laughs> they're either baby massive pond snails, which I don't think they are, or they're these little tiny ones that can live in pot in puddles. All oh, right. Wow. So I don't know if they've come in. So quite often they come in on plants, um, or the, however the like the eggs will come on the plants. The question on everyone's lips, though, Matt, is how do they taste? Um, tiny. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Pure uh, flavour. So they eat the algae in the pond. You see. Well, that's probably good then. Good for the fish. It's all part of the ecosystem. Yes. So I'm I'm reluctant currently to um actually clean the pond actual pond it says you're supposed to uh like take the water out and completely change it but i think it's like at a good level what now. are the fish gonna do if you take the water out well, obviously you put them in a thing don't you like a, a holding what? a holding pen <laughs> yeah that sounds ridiculous why would you change your water yeah well this is what i've read when i was reading about it it said it sh- you should change your water like every six months i think it said no. I'm not buying it. No, so I... That's the water company. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, Shills. I've got these little pond pond balls. Oh, yeah. And I put them in the filter. Just dip, dunk them in, dear. And (laughs) and that seems to... I have done recently, yeah, anything to... (laughs) For your purple balls. Where the snails came from. (laughs) God only knows. And, uh, yeah, so that's made the water clearer, I think pond balls recently so i can actually see the fish okay uh you can request a birthday (laughs) shout out on the discord i mean everyone's going to come and look at the fish anyway aren't they yeah i just want to get through the housekeeping man i I can't see because you've moved the light Uh, i'm getting a new light for my birthday oh you're getting a rings yeah Mm. aldi 20 quid Oh, right, okay. It's going to be great, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You put it here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it might make us look beautiful. Uh, Focus G requests we've done. Uh, Guest suggestions on the Discord. We keep going every week. We get good ones. We get good ones. Um, You know, we we try our best, don't we? Yeah, we we have a very good hit rate when it comes to um, getting guests who we ask. Mm. So many desperate people out there. (laughs) (laughs) or or people who are none the wiser yeah yeah um what else can you do oh you can send us news articles um video clips things that yeah pretty if it's if it's like an hour-long video i can't sit through a whole hour to find one little nugget of gold if you hear something specifically timestamp it so we can uh, if you feel it needs amplifying maybe it's something that's not being picked up on the mainstream media side of things and uh, there's threads there in the discord for it uh, what else can you do on the Discord and become a producer? Show artwork. I was going to say artwork. We are. Well, we had uh, three submissions this three? week. Three? It's just too many. 
from... Uh, no, it's not too many. Don't discourage the producers. Christ, <laughs> this is the first week for months where I'm, I've been able to not do any artwork. It saved me, like, half an hour. Yeah, no, but... Pre-production. I don't think that should be done. What? I think you should be made to sweat. <laughs> I think I do enough. Fuck me. Right, let's reveal, uh, well, one of the submissions. Which one will come up first? Let's see. Who knows? These are from Bunyan. Here we are. Oh, nice. That's a bit... So it should say, if you are in the Discord, on the Monday morning, you'll get a sneak preview of the guest for the following week. So obviously, Bunyanut has seen on Monday that Dr. David Harrison's coming on. And uh, he's provided, this is the first piece. What do you think of that one? Yes, he's got the Armist Inquisition. Nice. He's nicked that from somewhere. <laughs> um, a checkerboard. Is that is that going to be like a sacred cubit or something? I don't know. Um, and then he's got the set square... And the compass and that other thing that's in the middle for Masons. A chap? Yeah. <clears throat> well, no, at the bottom, at the bottom there, look. Oh, I thought you meant Sunhead. Yeah, so we've got Sunhead and half a swatch sticker holding uh, sets. Compass, is that in the, with one hand? It's, a compass, yeah. do you think? Is it Dr. No? <laughs> <clears throat> no. From Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I thought it, it was clear. Yeah, it's nice. It pops. It pops, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, it looks like he's popping and locking. I imagine, you know, if that's on that's on Spotify, you'll click, boom, I'm in. You'd be there. You'd be like, what the hell is that? I need to get closer. We need... We, I mean, my only criticism mm. is that we probably need a bit of a hook there. You know, Dr. David Harrison, something about Freemasonry. Scouts maybe. on acid. Oh, this isn't YouTube. This isn't oh, the YouTube right. thumb. This is the MP3. Right, okay. Well, I'll let you off then. Let's move on to the next one. Now, what have we got here? We've got Solomon's oh, Temple at yeah. the bottom. Mm-hmm. We've got the compass and square with the G, the grand architect of the universe, in the bottom left. It's like a coffin or something in the back. Gosh, yeah, well, that's part of the initiation, right? The coffin. What? You get put in the coffin. Well, it's about your own mortality. You go, you're blindfolded with a noose around your neck and your trouser leg... Rolled up and uh, one sleeve rolled up. He's gone now. He can't verify this. <laughs> well, no, he, he probably won't verify it anyway because it's like the secret, isn't it? Um, That's this... not at all like scouts. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, um, this, I would say, it, this is too much. Too much going on. Who who made this one? They're all from Bunyanot. Oh, right. Okay. All yeah. three. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, uh, uh, number one for me so far. Yeah. Like, so this is a mess. Sorry, Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I like aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too too many elements, I think, isn't it? Yeah. What's that flying egg thing on the right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, good question. It's got the, uh, is it like the seven stars? Yeah, the seven stars going around the outer of the egg. Maybe it's the cosmic egg. I don't know. Is I've never seen biblically thing? accurate angels. Cosmic egg is like the foundation myth of uh, Babylonians, South America. The, the earth hatched from... Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. No, not, that's sort of a... Too simplistic. It's only as wild as it's lots of metaphor. the other creation myths. <laughs> like the Big Bang. It's metaphorical. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to submission number three. Now, now this ah, is... The, now, here we go. Here we go. Stairway oh, to heaven. So is that, yeah, or is it Jacob's Ladder? <clears throat> Stairway to heaven. I would suggest that it being Freemasonry, it might be <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, it's Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, yeah. We've got the checkerboard. So every Masonic temple has a checkerboard on the floor. 
We've got... Um, Does it? The entire floor is like that. Yeah. Mm. Is it? In the in the temple, yeah. Checkerboard. Check right, out. okay. Like a kitchen. And it looks like you always have the two pillars. I don't know why there's three there. But you've got the two pillars, Jachin and Boaz. Oh, we've seen those recently in a recent podcast. Have we? About mushrooms, yeah. Um... Stairway to Heaven. What else have we got there? It's you know what I like most about this one? East is the cardinal point on this. East, south, west, north. Right. On the outer. I don't know why. Well, is that not to do with the morning star? Lucifer? Yeah. Again, this is why people are con- 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 take Freemasonry with devil worship because of the veneration of Venus, the morning star, Lucifer. That is evident in Freemasonic ritual. Oh. We, did, we didn't go there. Because <laughs> that, I, sort of, I felt the... Uh, I read the room. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe that's why it's looking east. I don't know enough about it, but you, you go to certain doorways in the in the ritual and, and one is the... I think one is the east. There's, there's a definite veneration of Venus, the morning star, Lucifer... Which rises in the east, I think. I mean, this is my favourite. Yeah, if, if you want it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the best one. One slight, one uh, constructive criticism I would I would make <clears throat> on the two one nine. Yeah, it would benefit from a drop shadow of some description. <laughs> oh, do, well, I, do you want to send it back to him for right. revisions? No, look, I I know what artists are like. The, the masochists, <laughs> they like being punished and criticised. I think that uh, a drop shadow would just make that two one nine pop. I mean, more. this is this is excellent show. It's great, great. We're going to use it. We'll definitely use it. That's the yeah. whole point. Exactly. Okay, we'll make that disappear and pull up the uh, YouTube artwork. I hope it's this one. I don't even remember doing it. Oh, here we are. Yep. So that's uh, the YouTube yes. thumbnail. Nice. Pre-selected the winner. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a done deal. Comprehensive. Scrap and quill rubbing for the. Uh, what are we going to uh, call this episode on YouTube? Um, Was Paul Daniels a master mason? <laughs> Freemasonry, definitely nothing to do with the Knights Templar. <laughs> Dan Brown lied. <laughs> uh, are you on the level? That's a good shout. Yeah. Are you on the... Level, mm. or it's hip to be on the square. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. If, uh, we'll see. I think that's going to be the winner. Are you on the level? We'll yes! see. At last. I don't know how well deserved, of, uh, Matt. <laughs> how tempting it is, really. No, it's not. Is it? It's not. It's Freemasonry. Not. Are you on the level? <laughs> that's what you need. That's what you need. <laughs> Free money. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs. Bitcoin booming. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift porn. <laughs> but, uh, uh, leaked BJ. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what I wouldn't even know Taylor Swift if I walked past her down the street. I don't even know what she looks like. <laughs> I don't know. She's like a blonde woman. Okay. Uh, what, what, where are we up to? I'm completely lost now. Uh, Have we done Taylor Swift. Uh, you need to thank the producers now. <laughs> really? No. Do we do that after we say, What's the play best the way? jingle? That's the best way to become a producer. Um, 
Chuck his uh, fucking coin. <laughs> Toss a coin. That's right. Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because as was described in the podcast. Oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to the you can find the PayPal button there and you can give us... Uh, <laughs> Look at that comment from Kal-El. Freemasons are pillars of our society. Oh, mm. God. Yes. How, uh... Yes. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can uh, give us a one-off donation, um, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, donations at the level of £50 or over. We'll grant you the rank, the, uh, what's what's the Freemasonic term? The degree. The degree of executive producer for that episode. Mm. So, uh, Grand executive producer yeah. for this one, particularly. It'll look great next time you're doing your handshakes and you're rolling your trousers leg up because hey, I'm executive producer of the Armas Inquisition episode 219 or 220 or whatever. Mm. Now, only you fuckers out there can... Save Plotland. Save Plotland and keep the shit show going. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Right. Shit goes both ways. It does. <laughs> Shall we thank the producers for episode 219? Yeah. I think it's time. It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo, Right, who've we got? We've got Bunyan Up for three, call it three times pieces of art and a, a generous donation. Rona Kesson, Bill from 13 Questions Podcast, Helen Slicko and Lee from The Big Conspire. Thank you, so amazing. So amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love, literally. <laughs> the best mate. I'm literally a communist. <laughs> The dwarf, the carrots, the homophobe, the winds, the asthma, the quantwap, the number 11, the blind man, the fallen on the horizon, the cripple and the mother of from hell. I don't get it, never will. Yeah, so uh, all those ways of becoming a producer in the show notes, if you didn't catch it all while we were rattling through it quickly. But uh, and it's all in the Discord. Discords are great for as long as it exists. Our Discord yeah. channel. Um, <clears throat> that's the the best place to go and, and uh, join in with the what's going on with the community and and whatnot. Would you not agree? I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Right. Let's move on. Uh, very little COVID news this week. Oh, it's over, isn't it? It's not a thing anymore. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, I suppose we have to do some COVID <coughs> news. <laughs> Just a little. Just going to give you the tip of the COVID news. <laughs> the meters. The what? The meters. The meters. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, it's the whole. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it not? Your route to liberty. The magic not vaccine. A big fat shot <laughs> in the ass from well, hell. Rough YouTube now. <laughs> it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating. Mostly. <laughs> We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. <laughs> Excuse me. COVID! <laughs> right, uh, very quickly, uh, it's been a weird couple of weeks for Pfizer. That's it? Yeah, it has. It started with, like, the FDA begging them to apply for um, authorization for the jab for six-month to five-year-olds in America. Begging? Yeah, the FDA, because the FDA is now being corrupted by politics. Joe Biden's coming on TV saying, you're going to get your booster for for six-month-old babies. Don't worry about it. Oh. And so uh, oh, politics see, is, right, is right. corrupting the FDA. Oh, and right. checks. Had this weird situation where the FDA is 
encouraging Pfizer to apply for some strange reason. Anyway, um, I think it was Wednesday, Pfizer released the Q4 financial report. Mm-hmm. And sort of the main talk was of, of just the obscene amounts of money. And I think they were projecting something like $80 billion for the for the next 12 months in revenue they were going to make, 85, $86 billion or something like that. But anyway, some eagle-eyed conspiracy therapist <laughs> noticed that there's been a, a subtle change in language in this quarter's reporting financial statement from previous ones mm-hmm. regarding um, COVID, coronavirus, therapeutics, and, and vaccines. I've got a little quick screenshot here. So the bit that hi- that's highlighted in blue here is the new wording. So uh, let's start from up here. Uh, where are we? <coughs> Uh, any other future COVID-19 treatment in any of our studies in pediatrics, adolescents or adults or real-world evidence, including the possibility of unfavorable new preclinical, clinical or safety data and further analysis of existing preclinical, clinical or safety data. And then they add this, or further information regarding the quality of preclinical, clinical or safety data, including by audit or inspection. So everyone jumps on this and it's like, oh, well, they're changing the word and maybe they know something that's coming out that we don't know yet. Um, they have to be very careful in the wording in earnings releases because the federal offences and they'll get spanked hard if they're seen to mislead okay. their shareholders at the end of the day. This is what goes out to the mm-hmm. boss, the, the shareholders. So anyway, I didn't think anything, nothing of it really. And then I think it was the day after the Thursday, um, there was this sort of bombshell walk back by the FDA. A statement was released, a joint statement, I think, by the FDA, Pfizer and BioNTech that they were abandoning the uh, two-shot vaccine kids, two-shot vaccine for six-month to five-year-olds. They were abandoning the authorization. They were putting it on pause. They were supposed to have a meeting this week to get it stamped, rubber stamped, and they've pushed it back into the weeds into April, uh, is, is some text. The the Food and Drug Administration, Pfizer and BioNTech, announced on Friday that they were, are abandoning plans to pursue the authorization of a two-dose regimen of COVID-19 vaccines. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, stand by. Stand by. Uh, may not still be on? No. Uh, 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 uh. Why is the bloody YouTube artwork still up there, for fuck's sake? Didn't turn it off. No, I'm just, I'm all over the place tonight. Oh, nice. Nice swipe. A <laughs> <laughs> shame the uh, camera isn't there. Oh, is that basically what's on YouTube now? Nothing. Just was talking. It's fine. With blood. Oh, right. With blood cells. They won't see any of this that's happening now. They'll just see the floating cells. That's what I mean, yeah, yeah. There we go. We're back. We're back in the room. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Sorry if you were enjoying the blood cells. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, FDA, Pfizer, BioNTech announced on Friday they're abandoning plans to pursue the authorization of a two-dose regimen of COVID-19 vaccines for children's age six months to four years. Instead... They will again put the possibility of an authorization on hold as they await data on the efficacy of a third dose for the youngest children. That data is now expected in early April. 
In a press release this afternoon, Pfizer and its partner BioNTech reported that COVID-19 cases among children enrolled in the initial two-dose trial continue to accumulate according to the study protocol, and more data are being generated because rates of infection and illness remain high in children of this age, especially due to the recent Omicron surge. Given that the study is advancing at a rapid pace, the companies will wait for the three-dose data as Pfizer and BioNTech continue to believe it may provide a higher level of protection in this age group, the press release continued. Now, usually, uh, Pfizer do a press release before releasing any data saying it's 96% effective, brilliant, uh, mm. buy it, come on, come on, buy it now. Mm-hmm. They don't even release any data, but they're, they're not even doing that. So the implication is is that the results from the two-dose trial in young kids, results ain't good. Unfavorable. Mm. Unfavorable. So, so what would you do if you've done a study right with two dose, two dose vaccine, bad results? I would, I would say, right, we'll go back to the drawing board. Then, maybe we need to change the dose. No, we'll just give them another one, make it three. (laughs) That's what's happening. So it's quite humiliating for the FDA to roll all this back after it's been promised, Mm. promised over the last two weeks that this is coming. Anyway, that was like Thursday. Dr. John did a video on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. He's going to watch himself, this Dr. John. He's sailing close to the wind, isn't he? Well, he's pretty careful in mm-hmm. what he says, and what he says is always backed up by mm-hmm. the evidence. Now, anyway, there was a, a paper published in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, mm-hmm. I think at the end of last month, uh, about myocarditis post-vaccination, post-mRNA vaccination, not J&J. And the results weren't very favourable. <laughs> and uh, a newspaper headline uh, appeared saying, it was something like, myocarditis, 133 times increased risk <clears throat> after vaccination, citing this paper. So Dr. John did a video on it. I've just got a quick 20-second clip of it. What he does is, when he's going through a paper, it takes about half an hour. Yeah. So he breaks it down in the first five Mm. minutes and said, right, I'm going to break this down for you in five minutes. And uh, if you've got stuff to do, you can get on with it then. But if you want to stick around and watch as we go through it all, Mm -hmm. here you are. So here's the clip. Um, Is there 133 times greater risk? Um, It's actually probably much more significant than that. But... What we know from the data, my calculations at least, uh, it's 84 times increased risk in the higher risk category of young men and adolescents. Under 40. Uh, Part of his rationale is um, the definition of a case for Mm. myocarditis. You, in this particular study, which has derived the 86-fold risk, you had to have an MRI an ECG with specific markers, blood work, and the symptoms to be even considered a case. So Dr. John points out, this is only picking up the very worst cases of myocarditis for this study. Uh, In the study population, the people who met that threshold, 96% were hospitalised because all you hear is that it's mild. Oh, yeah, you get myocarditis, but it's really mild. Well, nearly 100% were hospitalised. 13% didn't recover by the time the study ended. Mm. And um, the study population 
where these figures are derived was all adults 12 and over. <laughs> and 82-year-old women generally don't get myocarditis. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that they're, they're, they're looking at everyone. It was 100 and... No, I think it was maybe 180 million people mm-hmm. were in this... They basically carried it out on all adults over 12... All, pe- all people over 12 who'd been vaccinated with mRNA in America. Um, what we know from previous studies, and also in this study, because there is a graph and you see the massive spike, men under 40 seriously increased risk compared to 82-year-old women. So I just wanted to cover it because uh, no fucker else is. Yeah. And uh, it's important to be educated. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure quiet, so we'll move on. Something to think about, or not. Bojo. Uh, has rolled back the COVID laws. Mm. This is him speaking to the House. I can tell the House today that it is my intention to return on the first day after the half-term recess to present our strategy for living with COVID. Provided the current encouraging trends in the data continue, it is my expectation that we will be able to end the last domestic restrictions, including the legal requirement to self-isolate if you test positive, a full month early, Mr Speaker. So that's good news, isn't it? I can't believe they have a half term. They've <laughs> <laughs> loads of holidays, don't they? I know, it's wild, isn't it? They work hard. <laughs> and keep a straight face. <laughs> what are we going to say then? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, compared to the rest of the, the world... Yeah, he hasn't got the memo, has he? No, it's, um, we're going the other way, aren't we? Which is good. Even you've, like Scotland and Wales. You've got trucker protests in Canada, Australia, Canada, Canada, Canada yeah. New Zealand, France. France doing it as well. Yeah, they've, they've started blockading. Uh, the police was going to try and start arresting them today. Oh, right. Or okay. yesterday, yeah. Well, they, the ports or something? Or? Uh, no, they're on the way to Paris. Right. Okay. It's like Australia, they went to Canberra. Right. New Zealand went to... What's the capital of New Zealand? Well, uh, Auckland. Auckland. Uh, Ottawa in Canada. They always go to the seat of power. Right. Uh, Joe Biden was asking the Canadians to arrest them, weren't he? <laughs> Cause, uh, was he? I mean, does he know what he's asking? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely the outlier, and it's totally not politically motivated, is it? <laughs> No, I know it is bizarre, isn't it? Just to like get a lot of the chatter going in the opposite direction because it was just completely out of the blue as well, isn't it? Can you imagine him next time he goes to G seven? I know the G eight and all that, like Macron and Trudeau, all these bum chum mates are there. Like you fucking threw us under the bus, Mm. releasing all these laws to save your own fucking ass, and then we're getting hundreds of thousands of people turn up blocking our ports and our bridges. Transparent, isn't it? Did you not get the memo from Klaus? It's meant to keep it going at least till the spring, man. Yeah, let's get the passports in and whatnot. Mm. So, so. <laughs> I'd be interesting to see what happens in the winter again. Yeah. And I've already seen a couple of reports for Delta Cron again. <laughs> so you know, we'll see what happens. Delta Cron. Yeah. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, people have had enough. I, I, well, I mean, yeah, but <clears throat> it's still, it turns on a dime, as they say in the US. 
I see it with the turn the feet on the sixpence. Yes, yeah. I think is the original. Yeah, I know, but in, in America. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, our audience. <laughs> yeah, Ben. <laughs> um, Captain Tom. You know the Captain Tom uh, yeah. who raised money. Yeah. During laps of his palatial. Did he die of COVID in his prime? He did a, a prime of a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Captain Tom Foundation's been investigated by the Charity Commission after concerns raised about its account. Isn't his daughter a bit sketchy? Yeah. yeah. Really? In its first year, running from 5th of May 2020 oh. to 31st of May 2021, the foundation, which was set up to continue the national fundraising hero's legacy, accumulated almost $1.1 million in donations. However... <clears throat> its audited accounts show just 160,000 was given away in charitable grants, while 240,000 was spent on management and fundraising costs. <laughs> <coughs> Money laundering. <laughs> A quarter of its fucking donations. One person running it. <laughs> of the costs, 126,000 was spent on fundraising consultancy fees, and 20,000 was used in advertising and marketing expenditure. Organisations that received the grants included, uh, so the, the 160 they gave out were split between four um, organisations, British Legion, Mind, Will and Hospice and uh, Helen and Douglas House. During the 12-month period, a combined total of more than 54,000 was also reimbursed to two companies controlled by Sir Tom's daughter, <laughs> Hannah Ingram Moore, and her husband Colin, called Club Nook Limited and Matrix Group. So, yeah... Uh, and they want to keep. They said they need to keep five hundred grand, uh, just in reserves, just in case rainy well, day. You probably want to like invest that, don't you? In um, stuff, grow the charity. Yeah, oh, this could milk it. When they're supposed to give it to NHS? Wasn't that what it was for? Oh God, that's supposed to, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen with um, these uh, overflow places? They've. I think you, we might have called this on the show and they've started using the beds for just like the normal um, patients they can't get rid of, basically. The people waiting for uh, to be discharged, essentially. So like bed blockers. Yeah. What about them? That's what they're being used for, the COVID surge. Oh, yes. Surge yeah, so the one at the local hospital, that's all it's been used for. Yeah, we have one in our, t- our city. Mm. There's only, what, was it seven that were built, maybe? Yeah, one hubs. Hubs, yeah, we have a local one, yeah, and it's... Uh, well, the care sector's fucked. It's, it's been on its knees for years. Mm. And then they fired, what, 40,000 of them? Which uh, yeah, probably didn't help. 10%, wasn't it, or something? Because they refused to, to say it, the magic Jews. So, uh, yeah, it's bad news. Uh, it's broken. It's a broken system. It's probably never going to recover, unfortunately. Um, anyway, let's move on to happier things. Uh, I've a couple other COVID things, but I can't be bothered with him. Oh, yeah, it's it's getting it's getting old. Times they are changing. Um, there's too much funny stuff happening. Groom slammed for attending <laughs> own wedding to bride sixteen and jeans and a t-shirt. Here's a picture. Look at that weapon. <laughs> That's like uh, Amish Phil circa two thousand and two. <laughs> She's not happy, is she? Um, I mean, she's 16. Yeah. He's 45. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? 18? I don't know. Does he have to, like, get... You have to get. Do you have to get permission from your uh, 
parents does something still when you're 16 to get under married? Under the age, I think so. Under the age of 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you can get married as long as he wears a suit and jacket. Yeah. <laughs> a suit. I felt sorry for her. It's like uh, it's such a a big deal for the ladies, isn't it? The wedding day. Yeah, no, is that why you you will never get married? And uh, for us men, it's just another fucking day, isn't it? No. So I was going to turn on my jeans and T-shirt. I enjoyed get it. Off. Yeah, it's a great day of mine. Yeah. I had a great oh, yeah. day of yours, Matt. Yeah, it was the... Uh, it's a great time, yeah, but it's not like the, the pinnacle of your life, is it? Top three days, yes. I'd say. <laughs> you have to say that, Ben. No, 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 honestly. <laughs> I believe a very, I lead a very on-the-level life. Uh, yeah. That was a pinnacle. <laughs> I think it's top three. Definitely top three, if not top one. <laughs> to birth of the children, wedding day, I would say. Yeah. It's a peak experience. As a non-married man, Phil, what, what's your top three? <laughs> I can uh, think of that, two. The... It's this new computer one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good when the lights uh, first came on. It's creamed myself. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, birth of the children is always number one. Yeah. For everyone. You know, unless you put it wrong with you. Throwing one over the knuckle and it going in the tissue by itself. I can't think what, what would be number three. I don't know. But I just said. What was that? <laughs> Masturbating? Yeah. That's like an everyday thing. <laughs> though, isn't it? Come on. Yeah. I'm practically married. <laughs> it's, it'll be my 20th anniversary in October. Fuck. What are you doing? Of masturbating? <laughs> A late start. <laughs> <laughs> The subject hasn't been broached yet. I don't know. Is she going to buy you, like, one shoe? Maybe I'll go to those, um... <laughs> the fucking, uh... Where they have the bathtub in the floor. By, <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? Down A6? Near The isolation tanks, I don't know what it's called. No! The... the bowling? No! The, the village! It's like Barton? medieval. Medieval village. Broughton? Broughton. On the A6. Old, old, old Nels. Old Nels, yeah. No, but it's not Old Nels. It's uh, Guy's Tavern. Guy's Tavern, yeah. Oh. Get one of those filthy... And the sunken, uh, the sunken baths. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the jizz-filled baths. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll do that. Have a dirty night away, basically. Is that what yeah. you mean? I mean, it won't be dirty. Come on. We've been together 20 years. So, like, some... Just some... Just a piece. <laughs> just a night of fucking peace without <laughs> someone yelling at someone on Fortnite. <laughs> that'd be nice yeah maybe we'll do that or we might go away if we can get a dog sitter you could get ham and eggs if you went to guys thatched hamlet I always get ham and eggs that's what I mean do you get so you don't get it with pineapple then do you see in the bath <laughs> when I when I was a lad and I went out for for pub fair with my family I wouldn't have ham and eggs I would have ham and pineapple so you Ooh. could get pineapple rings, tinned pineapple <laughs> rings on your gammon steak. Yeah. Yeah, well, you didn't get it at home. No. no we didn't have pineapple at home. Not opening a can of pineapple for you <laughs> to use one ring. Say one out. Yeah, ten in a can. It's all cans like baked beans. Exactly. So, oh, you know. Fuck that. <laughs> and sometimes it was quite nice for the pineapple juice to go on your chips and put a bit of vinegar on it. Put a what? A bit of vinegar on it. Christ, I thought it was swells. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, pineapple juice on the chips is um, sacrilege, I think. Uh, well, no, because it's mixed with the vinegar. So it's kind of like, it's like, it makes its own ketchup, but like water. 
Do you ever make your own uh, mustard mayo? No. Uh, when you have burger night, I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how to do it. All right. What do you do? I I do like I make proper tower burgers right. at home. Okay. All right. We get the brioche buns from Aldi, <laughs> and the battered uh, breaded. Southern fried chicken steaks. And nice. you open your tin of burgers. <laughs> oh, fuck me. You get your brioche bun, you hit your chicken burger on there. Oh, it's a chicken burger, not a, a oh, conventional. Wait, are you, are you going where I think you're going? I don't know. Where do you think I'm going? Are you going for another level, but it's beef? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, would, that, would, that won't work. No, it's one or one the other. I have chicken, chicken uh, burger. Ash Browns from Aldi again. Frozen. One. <laughs> it's cooked before you put it in the bacon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Onion, couple of onion rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your salad, bit of lettuce and whatnot, mm-hmm. whatnot. Cheese. Yeah. Uh, if I remember, I get the really f- fucking shit plastic cheese yeah. slices that you get at Burger King. Obviously. And uh, mustard mayo. So what you do is you get uh, an egg cup and you squirt mayonnaise in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, half, half fill it. Mm-hmm. And then you get a spoonful of mustard, English mustard. You mix it in together. And that's how you make mustard mayo for your homemade tower burgers. Who would have known mustard mayo was made of mustard and mayonnaise? <sighs> yeah, oh. but I've given you the techers. I've given you the techers. The secret me the, knowledge. Yeah, the golden ratio of <laughs> mustard and mayo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's half an egg cup of mayo to a spoon of mustard. I feel like I've led a sheltered life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell you what... You, um, it's like I eat one one tower burger. That's it. I can't eat me me side. It's that She's side another oh, burger. Right, okay, <laughs> half a burger <laughs> because uh, our six year old doesn't like chicken burgers, so he has to have cod. <laughs> cod <So>. burger. <laughs> You're so. having a burger. Whatever. What, what's the suitable <laughs> alternative? Oh, cod. <laughs> so the Aldi brioche buns come in packs of four, so we have one over. Yeah. So I cut that in half, and me and the missus are half, half each. But I can't eat my side then, because it's so filling. My homemade tower burgers. And what's your side, generally? Chips. Yeah, okay, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Frozen also? Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> cooked. <laughs> Any vegetables? It's in the burger. Okay. <laughs> Piece of lettuce. Okay. And we have cucumber and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I just leave them. Oh, I don't eat them. Scrape them in the bin. <laughs> Such a terrible uh, role model. It's like I tell my kids off for not eating the veg. And I just leave my. Don't even put them on plate and I'm dishing up. Uh, uh, yeah. Not by giving it me. Giving it me myself. I'm not going to eat it. Oh, mm. yeah. Well, well. All right. Um, what did we do then? <coughs> we talked we about burgers for 10 minutes. <laughs> Lost, groom gets slammed. I've got a lot. Oh, I've, got yeah. funny, I've got funny things. You showed right. us, you showed us the groom, and then we never finished. Well, you know the old, the old adage: <laughs> food, not too much, mostly burgers, sausage roll. <laughs> you, know, you know the old adage: eat food, not too much, mostly. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. Excuse me, COVID. We need to move on. Time's marching on. Okay. Um, Canadian woman discovers naked homeless man has been living in the trunk of her car for three days. Smelly. Going to the grocery store and work with her without making any noise. Bethany Coker of Namaimo, British Columbia, discovered a naked homeless man had been living in the trunk of her car for three days. <laughs> Was it you? He had remained silent during that time, riding around with her as she went to work and ran errands. When she found the man, 
He told her that him being a, in her trunk was a rite of passage and alleged he was the son of the Pope. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Steve, he does it all the time. Coker said the man was missing a missing person and is currently in a sight ward. Luckily, she uh, videoed it. A woman found out that a naked man was living in the trunk of her car for three days. Why are you in my trunk and are you naked? Yeah. What? It's a rite of passage. To be... Uh, how did you get in there? I'm the son of the Pope. She called the police and he was eventually arrested. It's a rite of passage. Is the naked man also the guy doing the news <laughs> report because they have like the it. same voice? Yeah. Whoever it is, it's definitely... Oh. I'm the son of the Pope. <laughs> yeah, son of the Pope. Mm. In the frozen nipples bucket. <laughs> I've seen the video, it's true. <laughs> no. That's right. Well, you know, the... you know the old adage, <laughs> eat food, not too much, mostly. This is such a crock of shit. Oh, is, there no... is there no limit to his shame? Obviously not. Uh, would you like to know what Jacob Rees-Mogg likes for his breakfast? Oh, I would love to know that. Weetabix is absolutely splendid, served with hot milk and brown sugar. Though for preference for breakfast, Mr Speaker, you will know what I like. It's Nanny's homemade marmalade on toast. <laughs> Such a cunt. <laughs> Such a cunt. <laughs> Nanny. Weetabix is absolutely splendid, served with hot milk and brown sugar. Though for preference for breakfast, Mr Speaker, you will know what I like. It's Nanny's homemade marmalade on toast. <laughs> Such a cunt. <laughs> I love those. Yeah. Oh. Nanny. Imagine having a nanny. Uh, who makes homemade marmalade, for fuck's sake. Mm. My gran used to make, uh, not my gran, my uh, great auntie used to make jam. Yeah. She, uh, they were pretty well to do and they had a long, it was like an 80 foot long back garden with blackberries and all sorts in it and she used to make jam. My dad used to make jam. Yeah. Blackcurrant jam. Hey, Jams so and I, jam. I just make slow jams. <laughs> <laughs> you make hand jams. <laughs> Man reunited with false teeth at 11 years after vomiting them into a bin in Benidorm. Well, that's going to happen in October. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Oh, shit. Yeah. Are you really going? Uh, I don't know because I got smashed last Sunday and I just thought I can't do that for like five days. <sighs> Too old. I mean, you know, if there's kind of an obelisk there, or some like, you know, there ain't no obelisks in Benidorm, or like, um, like some Stone Age architecture, then maybe we could Knights (coughs) Templar, (coughs) the Bavarian Illuminati. I think it's a concrete jungle. Apparently, there's an old town that's nicer. A Thameside man who lost his false teeth while vomiting into a bin on a night out in Benidorm, says he's been reunited with them more than a decade later. The Spanish authorities reportedly tracked down Paul Bishop using his DNA after his dentures were found in landfill. The 63-year-old says he was left stunned when his gnashes turned up in the letterbox at his home in Staleybridge yesterday morning, February the 9th. Why? 
Paul was on an all-day drinking session in the Spanish resort with a group of friends back in 2011 when he threw up outside a bar. It was my mate's 50th birthday and we'd been out drinking since midday, he explained. It was about 11pm and I had nothing to eat all day. We had a lot of beer, so I had a pint of cider instead. I'd half of it left when my mate said we're moving on. I washed it down in one, but I could feel it coming back up. As we were leaving, I noticed this big green bottle bin, so I sloshed it all out. It was only when Paul arrived at the next bar that he realised his top set of dentures were missing. Mm. He said, one lad said, where are your teeth? I realised it must have been in bin. We went back, but there were hundreds of bottles in there. Paul rummaged around in vain for his teeth and returned to search again the next morning, but the bin had been emptied. He was forced to spend the remainder of the holiday without his top set of dentures. I'd taken my Elvis suit and promised my mate I'd do a sing, so I had to do it with no teeth in. Nice. Everyone thought it was hilarious. <sighs> After arriving back home, Paul splashed out 600 quid on the new set of dentures. As far as he was concerned, that was the end of the matter. So when a parcel from the Spanish authorities arrived in the post this week, Paul thought it was a wind-up. Alongside his teeth, he says there was a letter addressed to Senor Paul, which stated that his teeth had been found and placed in storage for many years before a lab technician identified him through DNA. The letter concluded, I have great pleasure in returning and hope they find you well and hope you soon to revisit to Spain, but be more careful. Right. Cervantes. <laughs> so the lab, the lab tech found his DNA. Right. Okay. There's loads of questions in this. So how and why, more importantly, were his dentures found? And then maybe they thought it was a body. Well, he, no. Yeah, no. More. But like, what were they looking for to find his dentures? And then also, how did he have his DNA? Uh, in Spain. They were looking for half a pint of EU. cider. You, it's an EU scheme. Like Interpol? Yeah. So he must have a DNA record with our police then. So he must be a criminal. Maybe he just did Ancestry.com, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. And then uh, they found his address through some sort of local council thing. Uh, if you go click on the link on the show notes, you can see the letter that he was sent, and it describes in detail how, they tra- how this lab tech tracked him down. Right. A decade after losing his gnashes. I might have to read that. Yep. Letter. Okay. Scrutinise. Mm. It's uh, it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Kalel's calling us out. We're not like 100% accurate, this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Widow left surprised after finding husband's hidden hobby after he passed away. Oh, what was it? A widow was left surprised after finding out about her late husband's hidden hobby as he'd been secretly filling their attic with carbonara. <laughs> oh, what was it? Taxidermy. Antique taxidermy. Ah. Julie Gittos, 62, paid to have her attic boarded out, and after the workmen started the job, they asked her what they should do with all the boxes. She had no idea what they were talking about. And soon they were pulling down a lion's head, a conger eel, a zebra, and other stuffed animals. A zebra? <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> she, she had no idea her partner Kevin had spent years hoarding dozens of cased animals in their attic, which is now being described by one auctioneer as the most unusual private collection. Worth fortune, no? Ten grand. Oh. Estimate. 
That is a fortune. Okay. If you had 10 grand in your attic, doing nothing. Yeah. Julie, 62, from Blake down near Kidderminster, Worcester, said, I was never allowed into the loft, but after I lost Kevin, I needed some work done in the attic. The workman said to me, did you know there's a lot of boxes up there? I found 12 pieces of taxidermy I had no idea about. I went a bit scarce then. I'll turn to the Beatles. I'm amazed Kevin managed to squirrel them away without me knowing. <laughs> Julia since learned that her son James had helped his dad move the items into the loft so she wouldn't find them. A conspiracy! A conspiracy I mean, yeah. What's the point in like. Conspiracies aren't real! <laughs> buy, uh, buy, find these things and then hiding them. Shame. The shame. Shame! Oh no. Well, you know. No, the, you know the old adage eat food, not too much, mostly. Uh, Julie added, the garage was Kevin's domain and I didn't go in there much. I knew he had some more taxidermy in there, but I never realised the extent of it. They were were stacked one behind another on deep shelves. I think he felt a bit guilty about buying so many pieces, so he didn't tell me. I've just got into, like, Mick Jagger now. (laughs) Everything just goes into Mick Jagger eventually. (laughs) I think he... <laughs> what? I think he felt guilty <laughs> about buying so many pieces so he didn't tell me. <laughs> That's Mick Jagger, isn't it? No. <laughs> the ghost was Kevin's domain. <laughs> I didn't go in there much, Keith. <laughs> so, um, the collection included a circa 1920s lion's head with real teeth. What? Conger eel, otter, white rabbit, badger, fox, plain zebra, heart beast. Heart beast? A type of African em- envelope. <laughs> <laughs> Antelope. Uh, among the peculiar finds was a large glass display case featuring a puppy dog, a pair of red squirrels, and a green woodpecker dating back to the 1860s. Yeah. <clears throat> there was also a multitude of fish. Yeah, I could get mine done, couldn't I? Yeah. And birds, including an albino blackbird, moorhens, herons, lapwing, curlew, long-eared owls, pike and perch. Julie continued, I know some people think taxidermy is a bit strange, but Kevin was fascinated by it. There you go. Wow. Yeah, estimates at 10 grand, bottom end. Yeah, bottom end, that'll... I reckon it'll go for six figures, that. An albino blackbird? A white bird. (laughs) A white bird, no less. Um, I mean, it's been widely reported. Obviously been picked up by the Amish Inquisition, so... I wonder... I mean, it's a a proper auctioneer. You're not going to find them on uh, eBay, so... No. 2.3 billion. Trillion. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One last story. Go on, then. Boys, time to fuck off into the night. Man races to save woman washed up on beach only to discover it's a headless sex doll. (laughs) Was he rushing, though, thinking it was drowning? Chris Ford, a 67-year-old retired photographer, was looking for driftwood on Chesil Beach. was looking for sex dolls on (laughs) Chesil Beach. (laughs) Dorset, when he stumbled across a silicone female body lying face down. A pensioner had the shock of his life when he raced to save a woman washed up on the beach but discovered a human-sized, headless sex doll. 
Chris Ford, 67, was looking for driftwood after a recent storm when he came across the mutilated silicone female body with all her bits on show lying face down. I didn't know it was face down. There's no head. <laughs> the Butox. Oh, the Butox were on show. At what point? Well, you know, you know the old adage: <laughs> eat food, not too much, mostly COVID. <clears throat> I'm wondering when in the story he mentions, and then a, f- a further passerby before he could get down to some freaky naughty. Yeah, well, we'll see. The retired photographer. It's fucking weird. This story. The retired photographer said he always feared he would discover a human body during one of his regular sweeps, but he was relieved to discover the victim was just a sex doll. A sweep. He quickly called his partner over to take pictures and they both left in hysterics, speculating where it came from. Chris, go on. I was just going to say, he returned later that evening just to make sure it disappears (laughs) and took it home. Chris of Portland Dorset said... (laughs) (laughs) Don't know if it's possible. It was a human figure, but was too clean and too pretty. (laughs) And it did not have an head. Apart from the lack of a face, it was very anatomically correct. You're a bit so, west. <laughs> so as soon as I got to her, I knew it was a sex doll. I'm always out collecting driftwood after storms, so I fully expected to see a human body one day, but never this. It certainly made my day. <laughs> It just caught me by surprise, but we we can only speculate where it came from. I've gone Lancashire. (laughs) (laughs) It's a busy shipping channel with loads of boats, so it could have come from one of them. Maybe a fisherman's wife found it in the cupboard and threw it overboard. It didn't have an edge, so maybe a perverted fisherman got rid of it but decided to clear it out. Keep the head. I can only speculate why. Easier to hide a head on a fishing boat, I imagine. Mm. Yeah, for the throat pie. (laughs) 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 Or, I just chuckled and found the old thing hilarious. I've seen dead cows, pieces of dolphin, seals, etc. washed up, but never anything like this. It was was a proper life-size doll, and it looked like it had broken its shoulder. What? It was a proper life-size dolly. It looked like it broken its shoulder joints at the right arm. It was bent back. We all had a proper giggle. Eagle. Yeah. She was certainly very pert indeed, and I have tried to preserve her modesty in the pictures. I dragged it up there by the bins and fucked the shit out of it <laughs> <laughs> before the bin wagons came round. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Sex dolls. Sex on the beach. Sex dolls on there the beach. There we go. Fucked the shit out of it. Blamo. What are you doing? It's gonna... Troll? Oh, look at... What oh, is it with oh, these... Yeah. These fucking Russian trolls, man. It's like a Russian troll farm in here. Oh, yeah, it is Russian. No, we haven't been very interactive Cyrillic. with the chat, have we? We've no. Lots of, uh, lots of We've been busy, there. you know. No, it's... News. It's been, uh, it's been hectic because there's been that much. We've I'm mm. tossed... I've tossed aside like an old chamois. Yeah. Many <sighs> stories because uh, there's, it's been a weird week, hasn't it? But, you know. 
plants. You know the old adage. <laughs> you know the old adage, Motherhood and Mother Pie. So, what did you do with Big Jungus? Throat pie. <laughs> motherhood and throat pie. He's dead, isn't well, he? Well, he's dead, so... so um, uh, well, that's it. You've got to be careful, haven't you? Uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Just want to keep people uh, safe. We're just trying to keep people safe. Yeah. All right, should we go? Should we go? Yeah, man. And he says, just... See you next week. You need to learn to die with COVID. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. Do you not agree? Um, yeah. With? Not of. Yeah. No one dies of. A side. A side piece. A side quest. A side. Die aside COVID. <laughs> a tower A stride. No. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Right then. Praise Javelon. Praise. Stacky Burgers. Up. See you next week. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I am fucking vegan. No, you know the old adage. Well, the thing is, what you do, you fall between the devil and the rock at a half place. Is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. Eat That's why it is. Bonkers. You have no authority here, Jackie. This whole thing is 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 total rhubarb. Passage. It's a rite of passage. Crisis in Plotland. I look like a war-hardened goblin. Damn right I do, and proud of it. Applehood and mother pie. This is such a crock of... Applehood and mother pie. I'm the son of the Pope. That is just ludicrous.